Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast with Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk bushcraft. Um, Now, bushcraft on a podcast kind of tough. You know, I can't show you guys, you know, what I'm doing exactly. Maybe a good opportunity for you to head over to our YouTube channel and, uh, you know, see what you can see there. But uh, we're going to see what we can do. Um, So anyway. Bushcraft, why is it important? Well, the bottom line is you can either spend a ton of money on gear or you can actually learn skills that'll basically bypass and get around that gear. And honestly, I got to say, there's something to be said for the kind of lost art of manliness, that art of, you know, being able to hunt fish, kill, protect you know, do that kind of thing, you know, provide for your family, take care of them, forage, you know, how to, uh, basically how to provide, right? That's in my mind, what it is to, you know, to be the provider, to take care of a family, to be the head of a household. It really comes down to having the skills to be able to take care of the things and the people that you care about. So bushcraft, I gotta say, is one of the most primitive, essential skills. Now, I, I know you're thinking that if we live in the perfect world and, and you know, we're in New York City or whatever and everything's there all the time, knowing how to make a fire or build the shelter is kind of irrelevant. And you know what? To be honest, in a way, that's true. But throughout history, we've seen that the world can really change at any time. And doesn't always mean that it's going to be the way that it is today. And I think these basic skills, and I say basic, but I mean, there's a lot to learn out there, but these skills can be essential, you know, to survival. So Kevin, what do you know about bushcraft? What can we talk about here? Well, 
first, I want to agree with you that uh, listening to a podcast on on uh, bushcraft is not going to improve your bushcraft skills immensely. Um, you know, uh, you can you can be you can learn all sorts of uh, bushcraft skills watching videos and listening to podcasts and be 300, 300 pounds, uh, you know, stuffing cheeseburgers in your face at the same time and not have any abil- actual abilities, you know? Um, I think, yeah. Now go ahead. Yeah, it's 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 really a hands-on thing. This is really right. something that you have to actually implement to learn how to do anything. Um, even the bo- ba- most basic skills, until you get your hands on it and start doing it, you're not going to really understand how it works or why it works or or what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Well, I think it's like trapping. You know, you can read a million books on trapping. And actually, we did a very thorough episode on trapping a while back. But the bottom line is, until you go out and see it and do it, it's just one of those things. You kind of put the time in and start developing it. But I think we can give you guys a lot of the information to get you pointed in the right direction and tell you what kind of skills you need to be thinking about and what kind of things, you know, little tricks you might be able to apply and where to find it. So I don't know, Kevin, where do you want to start? Um, I mean, I think, yeah, go ahead. Let me give you the basic rundown. I'm sorry. There's like cutting tools. We have cover elements. We have combustion, you know, fire, that kind of thing containers basically protecting your stuff storing water that kind of thing and then cordage you know knots and all that and you know they they say the five c's of survival right these are the things that you need to know but what uh where 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 do you want to start well let's start with uh with um uh the basics you know the first three basics which i i considered you know food water and and shelter um, so let's start with food. So, uh, how are you going to acquire food? Um, hopefully you're not going into the woods with nothing to eat to start with. You know what I mean? Cause you're going to have a hard few days before you start getting things set up and, and get ready to get ready to get anything done. And, uh, you know, you, they, they say, I hear a lot of people say dumb shit like, Oh, you can survive 30 days without anything to eat, you know, but well, maybe if you lay in bed and don't do anything, you might not die for 30 days, but you're not going to be capable of, of exerting any, any energy, you know, just you watch Netflix though, burn a lot of calories. Unless you, uh, unless you have something to replenish those calories, you're going to be in bad shape in the first day or two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, we could watch Netflix though. Right. Right. That's, <laughs> that's right. So, so, uh, so what are the, what are the basic ways that you're going to be finding food? Now, uh, a lot of people say, uh, you know, hunting, hunting is the, is the way to go. And that's, that's what you need to do. Um, you need to just get out there and, and strangle a, strangle a deer to death, you know, get out there and just chase it down through the woods and, and tackle it. Um, that's not really realistic. I mean, really, you have to start up with some some basic stuff, and and I say basic, but it's really complicated when we t- we're talking about foraging. Um, uh-huh. Right now, this time of year is a great time to practice your foraging because you know fall everything's everything's uh you know coming to an end. There, you know, all the the nut trees are are providing. Um, nope. There's mushrooms still out. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that's you know that's fat and ready to harvest. 
but you have to know what you're getting. Um, right. You know, there are certain leaves and certain plants that you can eat can provide you a lot of the nutrients that you need. Right. We think about, think about food as, as cats and that's great. You know what I mean? But um, a lot of the problems that you run into when you're getting, a, have a lack of food is cognitive impairment, um, coordination, things like that, that don't really take a lot of calories, but it, it, um, you're depriving when you start, when you go without eating, you're depriving your body of basic nutrients that it needs just function. So, so, uh, so when it comes to foraging, um, I see a lot of guys out there that are just not, they're not, they don't have the skills. They don't know what they're looking for and they don't know what they can and can't eat. Um, a lot of those mushrooms can provide you with a lot of nutrients and uh, a lot of them will make you just uh, have diarrhea until you die. So it's important to know what you're doing. Um, I know a lot of people um, can, can uh, you know, and I see this a lot with, with women, actually. A lot, of, a lot of people can spot everything, you know, everything in their forest and know whether it's edible or not. And, you know, a lot of foods you are edible, but they just don't provide any nutritional content. You know, it's not worth anything. Uh, you know, you can eat grass, but you're just going to shit that grass back out. It's not going to, it's not going to provide any, any information, you know, or any, uh, health benefit for it. So getting some basic foraging skills right off the bat is, is the most important thing when it comes to bushcraft and, and feeding yourself. Then in my opinion, um, but then let's move on. So next easy way to provide some calories is fishing. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of calories. doesn't take a lot of uh, energy to do it. If you know how to do it, um, you can, uh, you know, and you have access to water. I mean, there's a lot of places where you're going to be out there and there's going to be a couple of streams and things, but there's not going to be any fish in them until you can find a big lake or a, you know, a big pond, right. uh, a large, you know, river type type situation instead of a, a stream or a spring. Um, so, I mean, it really has a lot to do with where you're at and what your location provides for you. That's right. Um, now let's talk yeah. about, about, um, hunting. So a lot okay. of, uh, what we talk about with hunting, um, involves, uh, you know, having some sort of a, a weapon. I know a lot of, I know it's hunting season. A lot of places, a lot of guys are out with the rifles, uh, it is. right now. A lot of guys are out with, I think, I think most places are past bow season at this point, but, um, you know, there, I know a lot of you guys hunt with bows, do some bow hunting. And I think that's, uh, you know, those are important skills and they're great. Right. Um, well, it's renewable, also, you know, your arrows and all that, you know, it's something you don't, right. you don't ever run out, you know, of, of arrows. Now, obviously you lose them. It, it definitely happens. They, they disappear slowly. But I got to say 10 arrows is kind of comparable to like a thousand bullets. You know, it's kind of right. It it does pretty good on, you know, a good trade off. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good point. And, um, you know, another thing that goes with hunting is, uh, tracking, you know, you can sit in a tree stand off all day in the middle, middle of nowhere. And if there's nothing coming by, you're just going to be out of luck. You have to know what's in the area and, and where they're going to. Um, you know, if you can set up someplace near a stream or, you know, near a, a field with a lot of food for the animals, 
you might you might uh you're gonna do a lot better than just uh just setting up in the middle of nowhere without doing any exploration beforehand right well i think one of the things that people don't realize about hunting it, it it's a lot different than you imagine it and i mean the guys who are sitting in the tree stand right now or who've been out there you know listening to the podcast or who've done this for a while know what kind of patience it takes i mean in your mind you're like oh i drive home from work and i see deer every day right yeah that's maybe true but that's not how it plays out dude i see deer in my yard at least once a day my trail cam, you know, is, is picking them up left and right. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I go out there and I'm like, they were here yesterday at seven in the morning. Why aren't they here? You know, and I went through the same thing with the fox that I was trying to get for forever. It's right. funny. The first fox, I it it came so easy for me. This guy was out in the yard and, and you know, he gets my chickens. I set up a trail cam and. I think three days in a row, he was like, came walking through it like 11 PM or something right at the right spot. And I'm like, cool, I'll go just go out there at 10 30 and be ready to go. And sure enough, 11 o'clock, that guy all dumb and happy comes walking up the road and yep, bang, got him. Everything's great. Then the girl Fox, she'd show up at 10 o'clock one night. She'd show up at three in the morning the next night then she wouldn't be there for three days. And it didn't go like the fantasy in my mind. And my point is everybody has that fantasy of, oh yeah, I see him in the trail camp about 742. And I'm going to make sure I'm in there at 715 and everything's going to be good to go. And then you go out there for a week and you're there every day and you're freezing your ass off at the 50 degrees. And you sit out there for four hours because you're like, I know if I walk away, he's going to be here in 10 minutes. And then, you know, you come back and you get in the house, you're drinking coffee and fucking trail cam lights up. Oh, there he is. He's out there. And you're like, Motherfucker. you know, that's that's how it happens. And it's just not as simple as, you know, as people imagine it. So the thing is. You need to put the time in. You got to go figure out what really works. How still do I have to be? What time is the best time that I'm going to see him? You know, and and like I said, trail trail cams have made it easy for us to kind of check out, hey, are there ever any deer in this area? Hey, where do they go? Where should I set up my tree stand to, you know, be able to, you know, get the spot where they're hanging out? And when we don't have that technology available to us. We need to actually learn how to kind of track the animals and how to look for the signs that they're here. All right. This is de deer poop sitting here. All right. Um, you know, these are the things we need to see. You know, I know where I am here. People use dogs, people, uh, you know, they're putting deer piss out all the time and, you know, whatever to kind of bring them in. That's the, you when we don't have all the extra tools available to us, we need to have the skills that we're going to be able to find them. The same thing goes with trapping. You know, you have to learn, all right, what do I have to do to keep my traps clean from scents? What do I have to do to maybe cover up the scent? Um, I mean, I know when I'm trapping, one of the biggest things I do is, is we take like fox piss and we'll put it on a, uh, 
I'm like a stump or something because you know how dogs are. They can't resist coming over and pissing on somebody else's piss because, damn it, they better not, you know, be marking. You know, when your dog gets out and he gets into the neighbor dog's area, first thing he do is does is run around and piss everywhere to be like, nope, not there. That's mine yeah. now. You know, you got to claim it. And but my point is not that, you know, too much talk about piss, but the idea is you need to learn what tricks, what skills really matter. You know, what, what are the animals going to notice and what can you notice to know where the animals are going to be? Um, you know, Kevin had mentioned mushrooms earlier. When you go out foraging for mushrooms and food, that's something I can't tell you about in a podcast, but somebody who is familiar with your area and offers a class, a class on mushrooms and if you actually start to apply those skills and look around, you know, for what's available in your area and pay attention to that, you can really develop something. One of the things with foraging, a lot of people say that you burn as many calories out searching for stuff. Obviously, this depends on the area and the season that right. you're in. But if you can learn to recognize what you're walking by as you just go through the woods, or what's right around you, you know, if you really open up to what, you know, what's available to you, then you can start to grab these things a lot more. And it can be a great supplement while you're out setting snares or doing trapping. Now I've point out snares are illegal in most places for catching animals, but these are skills you want to learn and understand. Um, you know, setting, uh, Setting snares along a tree branch can be a neat way to get squirrels. You may want to look into that. But anyway, Kevin, sorry, not trying to hijack the conversation. That's all right. That's all right. Let's uh, let's move on to water. Um, okay. Now, water is is the most necessary thing, and uh, hopefully, if you're out there, um, you you know where the water is. Um, Obviously, if you're lost in the woods, you're going to start moving downhill if you're trying to trying to find some water because that's where the water goes. But, you know, you can't just find any water any place and, and grab it and start drinking it. That's not the case anymore. It, it used to be much more uh, – it used to be a lot safer to drink, uh, drink uh, running water. Um, you yeah. know, a lot of things are pissing in it now. Uh, Giardia is a real thing, and, you know, Giardia is not – naturally occurring in in the streams around uh around north america what it is is a lot of uh you know campers hikers went out there and just started uh just started you know pissing randomly pissing in streams pissing you know all over the place and infected a lot of the wildlife with this um with this uh bacteria and uh it, it can be it can be really it can really put you in bad shape if you get a case of giardia and you know yeah. You just have to be conscientious of what's upstream, what's downstream, and what's around that area. Um, yeah. So if you're if you're looking for for uh, safe drinking water, your best bet is to uh, first filter it through something simple. You know, you can use something easy like a like a t-shirt. You're basically looking to get the leaves and the sticks and all that that uh, pond scum out of there first. And right. then you're gonna want to bring it to a rolling boil for five minutes. That's that's the uh, standard. Uh, standard use for water. Now, if you don't have pots and pans, if you don't have anything to to boil that water in, it can be really tricky to try and purify that water. Um, so if you're stuck in a bad situation, 
first thing you're going to do for do is look for for running water right that's that's going to be your your best bet for clean safe drinking water um when it comes to a lake though that's a lot more tricky you don't want that water that's right by the side that you can get to the safest water in a lake is way out in the middle of the lake at the very top you know what i mean you're going to need some sort you're going to need to go swimming out there or you're going to need a you know some sort of a raft to get out there and get to it um i don't recommend just drinking water without without boiling at first but you know sometimes you're in a bad situation i i've done it plenty of times and uh you know thrown up and got diarrhea plenty of times too it's great to uh do these experiments when you can go to the doctor you know what i mean it's fine don't worry you don't have to worry about a, a lot of things like uh you know giardia and salmonella and and a million other of those diseases when you have a right. hospital you can go to you're not going to die in the united states from these diseases if you can go to a doctor but if you can't go to a, a doctor you can really be in bad shape by uh drinking some some bad stuff right. so diarrhea is the number one killer in the world till covid I, I, got here i guess i don't know yeah i get i guess so i i hear that you know i mean they say that clean drinking water access to clean drinking water saves 160,000 people uh per day so i mean that's a lot of lives save, being saved by by clean drinking water um you know, I can't imagine what a bet would have been like uh, living in a city in the, you know, 15, 1600s where everyone's just throwing their their piss and shit right out the window into the into the streets, you know. Um, but it's a it's a big deal and it's important. And, you know, we live in a, a great country where we can just turn on a tap and get clean drinking water anytime we want. Uh, right. But when you're out in the woods, it's not the case. So it's definitely something to to think about now. Uh, a lot of you guys do stuff like uh, purification tablets. Those are great. Um, I know there's some iodine pills that people use, and and that works. Um, small amount of uh, uh, bleach. You know, you don't want to use a lot of it, just a little bit of bleach. But these things all take uh, some time. So just make sure when you use that stuff, you give it time to work. Uh, about 30 minutes is generally what I would consider uh, an appropriate amount of time to wait. Um, a lot of you guys have those filter uh filter straws uh what is it called life straw and uh, uh sawyer um, makes a good one mm-hmm. yeah and uh you know we talk about bushcraft but a lot of this stuff um you know in the modern world a lot of this stuff is very handy to have around uh with you you know basic tools are are definitely worth worthwhile yeah. and those filters are definitely worth the effort and that's another thing though another you know, bushcraft skill. One of these developing things out in the woods is looking for, you know, um, underground springs and that kind of thing, you know, water just coming out of rocks or out of the dirt. This is going to be your clean water, but these are things that you need to be able to recognize and look for, um, you know, that is naturally filtered. Um, another thing would be like tapping trees, right? Uh, that's a bushcraft skill. You know, if you burrow into a, a tree and and um you know a little bit of stick in there get it where the water will come naturally out of the tree but these are skills that you get by going out and doing that you learn you know i mean yeah you look it up you say hey how do i tap a tree you can youtube it i, I think we did a video on it where we did a short like 10 minute thing and that's you know something that you learn by doing and going out. And these are the things that you want to take away 
but you're not going to get if you don't go outside. Right, right. And, you know, and a lot of this is hands-on stuff. Uh, do you want to talk about um, shelter building for a few minutes? I, You know, we could probably do uh, three or four shows on shelter building alone. Um, but let's let's touch on shelter building for a few minutes. Um, now, the main thing for for shelter is to to keep you from freezing to death and, you know, to keep the rain off your head. Um, so, uh, you know, you're going to need a bare minute. You can build a lean to and put bark all over it and keep the water out. But, you know, that's it's a lot of work. And I would right. recommend if you're going to be out in the woods at the bare minimum, have a tarp with you. Bring something yeah. with me that can be waterproof that can help uh help you you know stay dry, and that's a that's a that's a big deal. Right. One of the the best starting points too is to go for the the natural like wall kind of thing. When you see the fallen tree with the uprooted you know stump kind of thing, and you have kind of a cavity from the you know the roots coming up, and you have the natural protection from the tree or some kind of large tree that you can connect to, you know, where, and, but that's where, uh, you know, you got to start with something like that. Um, Kevin, I didn't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, shelters you can build, uh, you know, lean twos, little, uh, log cabin style stuff and, and, uh, you know, a lot of different, different things. I know a lot of the guys up North will build the, uh, you know, the igloo type shelters and, uh, you know, those are actually, they stay pretty warm inside. I, you know, they say if you get it small enough and the right size, you can just run a candle on there to keep it, you know, right around 30 degrees, keep it from melting on you, but also keep you from freezing to death. Um, <clears throat> so there's a, there's a different, a, a million different ways to build a shelter. Um, you know, there's a frames and, and the basic idea is that I'm not going to tell you how to build a shelter right on this podcast, but because it's not going to be very useful for you. Uh, the best way to do it is you have to get out there and, and do some shelter building on your own, see what works and see what's going to be helpful, see what's going to keep you warm and, uh, you know, see what's going to keep you dry. Um, let's move on to, to fire building. Um, I know there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different ways. A lot of people have specific stuff that they do. Um, talk about ferro rods and flint and steel and all that sort of stuff. Uh, personally, I prefer a bunch of lighters. Uh, throw five Bic lighters in your backpack. There's no reason to, to be out there like some asshole spending 45 minutes rubbing sticks together trying to get something started. You're uh, telling me that Brushy Bill carries a lighter? A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Now, so there is some drawbacks, though. There are absolutely some drawbacks to carrying a lighter. Uh, if those lighters get wet, you're going to be out of luck for a while until they get dried off. So let me give you a, a basic uh, a basic run through here. So first thing you're going to do, you got a wet lighter. It's not working. First thing you're going to do, uh, you're going to take a, a cloth and, and dry off that lighter as much as you can. All the little you know, nooks and crevices in that lighter. You're going to get everything as dry as possible. Shake it around, get that, get the, uh, the fluid inside the lighter agitated. And, uh, you're going to start sparking that lighter and those sparks are going to slowly dry it out, but it's going to take some time. Another thing that you can do with lighter though, is, uh, 
take your knife and, uh, you know, if your lighter's out of fluid, you used it up enough, you're going to just start peeling a little bit of that plastic off the edge of the lighter. You know, some thin little plastic shavings. Those things will light up really fast. So you're going to get those plastic shavings and then you're going to use the flint from the lighter to get those plastic shavings started and then build from there, start working, working it out. That's your secret of the pros, the last ditch effort. Last um, ditch effort. The, the it's real not easy secret to do of the pros that. is right. The real secret of the pros is to start a fire and then never let it go out. <laughs> yeah, um, there you, go, you learn 100%. to reuse those coals, you know, over and over again. Um, mm. That's one of the things where the hands-on comes into play is you want to put the time, um, you want to understand that using like a bow drill or these things we see in the movies and whatever, it can definitely be done. It works. Um, having the right tinder right there and having enough to keep it going is huge. You'd be amazed how many people will sit there for an hour with a bow drill and get it going. And then that tiny bit of tinder they had there to get it starter started burns, burns up in a second and they didn't light anything with it. And they're like, right. no, you know, it's all that energy kind of goes to waste. Um, but that's where that practice and experience, you know, comes in. You put the time time in when it's not as you know essential or life-threatening situation you be ready uh, you know to learn to build these little mouse nests and you know people put the dryer lint in their pocket and they just carry it around with them and stuff I, I know you know some of you take that as crazy but some people just get in the habit of using you know keeping these things available to them but also learning to recognize it when you're out in the wild you know hey that that would be great. Look at this little mouse nest. Look at this, you know, dried out stuff that's been sitting here, this actual bird's nest that I can use to start my fire. You know, these are things you want to learn to recognize and see. And as you do these things and you spend the time outside, you're going to realize what's important and what you should be taking advantage of while you're out there. Um, so there's another thing called uh a uh, feather stick, right? So you you can't find any good kindling. You can't find anything to start it. You grab your knife and you peel off little shavings. And, you know, a feather stick, you still leave it attached to the one stick and it just like flares out kind of looking like a feather. And you can use that to go ahead and light stuff or you can just peel the shavings. But creating your own kindling, turns out that's a thing. Um, in order to do that. And then some of the, uh, the best ways to start a fire, you know, learn about the little different methods. You know, a teepee is a great way to start. Usually, you know, I have some kind of bird's nest kind of thing in the middle and like a small twig teepee. And honestly, a teepee seems to be the best kind of fire way that you can do it for building a fire. Now work with me. If I'm cooking, that might be my starting point. And then you move into like that log cabin kind of setup or different things. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to be getting outside. You need to be, you know, getting into nature. But you can just keep building on these things. But like I said, you can just whittle up little things, you know, cut up those shavings. But in order to do that, you're going to need a sharp knife. Kevin, right. you know so about sharp knives? Let's talk about this because I feel like there are a lot of people out there carrying dull ass knives around 
And uh, when their knife gets dull, they just go out and buy a new one. So there's some basic, basic things that you need to know when it comes to uh, knife sharpening. So let's, let's talk about this. Um, now, I know William uh, wanted us to, to, that's right. It was a couple of months ago and we didn't get right to it because, uh, you know, you can't do a whole podcast on knife sharpening, but, um, you know, we're going to talk about it now. So first thing you need is a, is a good sharpening stone. Um, they're not cheap. You can get them, uh, fairly, fairly, you know, most places, but they're not cheap. And you're going to want to take that stone and you're going to want to get a nice, uh, a nice coating of, of oil on there. I use olive oil. Sometimes some people use grapeseed oil. It doesn't really matter. Um, you just want something that, you know, you can use, even use WD 40 as long as you're not planning on using that knife for um, to immediately start cutting up food, you know? And so you're going to want to take your knife and you're going to want to put it at a perfect 90 degree angle to that stone. Right. And then you're going to cut that in half. So that's going to put it at 45 degrees, then cut that in half again. That's going to put it at 22 and a half, uh, 22 and a half degrees to that stone. And you're going to want to slide that, that knife away from the blade along that stone. And that's going to give you the best sharpest edge and the cleanest, the cleanest edge that you can get. Now, some people don't use oil. That's fine. It doesn't sharpen as evenly. Um, a lot of you, a lot of you guys, I've seen and I've done it myself. Uh, we'll get a file or get a, um, a even a grinder, and that's fine if you've got something that you really don't need to be perfectly sharp. You know, if you're using cleaning up uh, lawnmower blades or something like that, that's fine. But don't right. do that on your on your personal knife. Just use yeah. a sharpening stone. And no, I I know they sell a lot of little gimmicky things where you can. Yeah. Uh, you know, slide your knife through this. I, it's a good way to cut your, cut your hand open. Those things just, you know, it's fine. If you like those things, use them. That's fine. Personally, I don't ever use those things because you're, you've got a good chance of slicing your hand open with those things. They're, they're just not, just not the safest way to clean a knife up. Now, if you keep your knife sharp, you can sharpen them on the sharpening stone. Just a couple of seconds you know, before you use it. Every time I, I go to cook or do something in the house with a knife, I'll just spend about 30 seconds sharpening the knife up on either edge just to keep it clean and ready to go. Even if I'm just going to cut up a tomato or, uh, you know, a vegetable for dinner, uh, I like to keep those knives sharp because, uh, you know, it's a good tool to have a sharp knife. A dull knife is just going to make a mess out of stuff and you're going to end up, you know, using more force than you have to and end up smashing your, get, uh, getting a good cut. And the truth is, dull knives, people people cut their hands with dull knives a lot more often than they do with sharp knives. Keeping a sharp knife is the safe way to go with that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I just recommend keeping all your, even your little pocket knife, keeping them sharp and keeping them ready to use. So there's the basics, uh, you know, but again, you got to practice with it. You got to do it a little bit to, to get a good hand on it. Right. So that's the thing. And the same thing goes with like an axe. You know, you got to keep those sharp. And I got to say, getting to know an axe, and it's funny, uh, when I first got like a decent axe, I used to like keep it in my room right next to the bed. And it's funny, not like, oh, I'm worried about predators, but I was like, nobody's touching my axe. Leave it alone. It's right. mine. 
keep it i want to keep it nice and sharp and right next to me um so i i don't even know how you say the name there's a company uh Gransfer's brooks and i'll uh -huh. put it put the name in the uh, show notes and their axes to get a, a decent like forest axe or, or big you know like woodsman kind of axe you're you're probably in the like three hundred dollar neighborhood or maybe even a little bit more for a decent size. Like they have hatchets and stuff for like one ninety or something, you know. And mm -hmm. but uh, I, I did like tons of research, and I found out they were actually making axes for Husqvarna. And okay. what it was was the 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 wood shaft would be would be the same and and the head would be the same but they just basically didn't put the time into sharpening it and and setting it all up and and that was the big difference in price now mind you it still wasn't cheap and and it's mm -hmm. not i'm not saying go buy a husqvarna axe they're not they're not all the same but i i did tons of research and they were like if you buy this one this one model and you'd see it in all the the reviews and stuff they were like oh this is it's even got the stamp in the in the head you know from the company and so anyway i i go and i take it home and i i sharpen it forever and oh my god though when i go and cut a tree and and use something with a quality axe it's like oh my god it's totally different you know you're you're it doesn't even like, Hey, I need to go get my chainsaw now, nah, dude, I'm whipping through this tree. Like nothing, you know, it's just like, yep. All right. Mm -hmm. We're good. You know, a couple of quick uh, strategic. And again, it's learning placement, learning how to use the tools that are available to you. And, yeah. and that's like the theme of the whole episode. I mean, that's really what we want you guys to take away from this is you need to learn to really use the tools to the best of your ability. And we all talk about survival and, and yeah, I'm, I'm the tough guy. Look at me. I have my bag full of gadgets, you know, navigation, understanding the time of day by looking at the sun, just start recognizing these things and look, understanding, Hey, which way is Northeast, Southwest? How do I know which way, you know? Oh, look, I can look at the sun. Oh, it, it rises in the East and sets in the West. All right, I have something to go here. All right, the sun's over there. All right, but it's noon. What do I do? You know, these are the things that you learn from practice, right? Mm -hmm. You learn to start to pay attention to what's around you. It's nighttime. How do I know which direction is which? Well, okay, let's look at the stars. But does it matter what hemisphere I am in, what I'm in, or where I am? These things make a difference. Mm -hmm. And my point is know the area that you're in and then you know, start to take in those skills and start to master, you know, what's available to you. Um, it's just so important. We get outside and honestly, just communing with nature kind of thing, spending that time away from the technology and the chaos. Now I'm not saying don't do a little research. Uh, I, I know on YouTube, there's a channel, uh, Sigma three. If you're into bushcraft, they're going to take you a thousand miles from further ahead of where we are um, as far as, you know, what we can offer in this podcast. They have stuff set up to show you, to teach you, to make containers, to make things out of clay, to, you know, actually harden pots and, and do things to, you know, make outdoor bowls and that kind of stuff. They put the effort in and teach you a lot of the skills. There's other great channels out there, um, things you can learn and do. 
but I just kind of wanted to open the door and, you know, let you guys know, you know, there's more out there and you got to go out there and do it. Um, if you do go to a survival school, I would, there are tons of great ones out there, a lot of great classes, but find one that's near you, like in your state. Cause I got to say the things that are relevant to you, you know, if you live in Arizona, you're going to want to learn different wilderness survival skills than if you live in Canada or, you know, the Northeast up in New York or whatever. Um, I'm in North Carolina. You know, we have that, uh, that crazy guy, Eustace, that turtle uh, hill farm or something it is. They, he, you know, turtle Island, that's what it is, right? He's got his whole thing going on, you know, but find something that's local to you. Find a foraging guy that's local to you. And just even if you can't afford or don't have the time to go to one of these classes or get away, you still can hit some YouTube in the week and then go and start to do, you know, start to set up, you know, go camping for the weekend, even if it's in your backyard or your buddy's got a big field that he owns, you know, something like that. Go camping there. Just get to the, you know, get out in nature and try some of these skills. See what it takes to actually, you know, get through things. See how frustrating it is to start a fire. See how frustrating, you know, go out after it rains when it's all wet in the morning and you're cold and you want to, you know, start a fire. And then maybe when you're stuck in that situation, you'll realize, hey, I should set some of this wood aside to stay dry. Hey, maybe I should build a second shelter just to dry firewood. These are things that are actually going to really pay off. And, but you don't know that you need these things until you actually go out and try until you go camping. And you're like, man, if I had brought a couple of pieces of tinfoil, I could have made cooking so much easier. Or, you know, hey, I can use foil to hold all kinds of things. It can be used to line a container that I make, you know, this kind of stuff. I mean, shit, remember people doing like the basket weaving and then how cool when the stuff's totally soaked with water that they're heating up water in a woven basket because the water keeps it, you know, from burning up the, uh, you know, the reeds or whatever, right? These are things that you can start to learn and apply, but you can find out what's relevant to you and your area. And that's where, you know, you need to be. You need to be starting to step up your game and kind of learn some of the skills to take care of you and yours. And I got to say, hunting, trapping, these skills, they take a little time to learn and master. It's just like gardening. You know, you have to put in the time to get the best results. And when it comes to a desperate situation, I got to say, you know, they spent a long time back in the set late 1700s, early 1800s gathering food. That was a big part of their day. And the reason is because these skills take effort. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to have the skills to get you through it. Right. No, I, I think that's a bunch of valid points you made there. Um, now, I think we've gone through most of the basics of bushcraft. The only thing uh, left on here is is rope uh, that wanna, I kind of want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so 
I see a lot of people with this uh, paracord uh, bracelets and the paracord. Yeah. Stuff. I, I somebody sent us a, a, a paracord dispenser that you can wear on your belt. That it's got fifty feet of paracord, and you can just pull it out from your belt, like uh, you know. I, you know, paracord is great. I'm not I'm not saying anything against that. It's great to have a lot of the paracord, but not all paracord is is created equal. Um, so there are some brands out there that really have some high quality stuff, uh, stuff that you can divide up and use for fishing line, uh, stuff that you can fan out and use as a fire starter, um, and stuff that's got real, uh, some real strength to it. Uh, you can buy paracord that's really cheap. That's, that's real trash and that's not really good for, for a whole lot of anything. Um, but having some basic rope skills, having some basic knot tying skills is pretty important. I think uh, Chuck, Chuck and I were both in the Navy, and I think they, they, uh, that's one of the big things there is, is tying knots and learning all the different stuff there. What they always told me is if you can't tie a knot, tie a lot. You know, if you, if you don't know how to make a <laughs> knot, just keep wrapping around it and tying it until it, it feels secure. Um, right. There are some basic knots that you should know, you know, a basic bowling uh uh, a square knot, um, a half hitch. There's a couple of things that you should have a good grasp of. And, uh, you know, even if you're just sitting around in the backyard with a piece of rope practicing your knots, it's, it's worthwhile to put a little bit of effort in there and learning how to tie things up in in an appropriate way. So, um, something to keep your mind, you know, something to keep in mind, uh, when you're buying your rope, look at the, uh, uh, the weight that it has, you know, how much weight can it carry? Um, there's a there's a big difference in quality, and it can look exactly the same, but there's a big difference in quality between uh, between ropes that that are the same width, the same diameter, uh, made out of different materials. That you know makes a big difference. So uh, pay attention. You know, don't waste your money on on some garbage stuff, but don't spend a, your you know your whole life savings buying some rope that you're never going to use either. Uh, just something to keep in mind. That's all. Now, do you want to hit on anything else? Learn how, is there anything that we missed today? Go out and learn how to tie a bowling. Yes, um, sir. Yes, sir. You know, you make you make that make that circle. The the rabbit, you know, comes up out of the hole, rabbit goes, comes goes out of around the, hole, the, tree, the tree, back in the hole. Right. Right. I'm saying it's something you may want to look into. If I don't use that knot, uh, you know, at least once a week then there's something wrong, you know? It's easy um, to, for, it's no, easy that's, to forget. That's, that's, a, that's a hard one to do. It's easy to forget how to do it. Yeah, I, I, it really, uh, it, it is in my regular uh, use area there. Um, so get to like and subscribe. You guys, uh, you know, if you appreciate it. And hey, comments. We love to hear, you know, what's going on. Um, you know, I don't ask you guys much, but uh, it would be great if you could uh, leave some reviews on uh, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you're downloading the podcast. Reviews help basically build up our credibility and it grow the brand, grow the uh, channel. Um, we've been trying to, you know, step up our game and, and bring some different things, the YouTube channel uh, kind of growing here and trying to give you the ideas and the things that you're looking for. 
Um, if you have show ideas, email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. We also have a, uh, a webpage, uh, preppingbadass.com, where we have an email list you can sign up for. We also you know, sell some badass, that kind of stuff. You get one of those uh, don't give them an inch uh, shirts. You know you want one. Um, and, uh, you know, you may want to check that out. But sign up for the email list and that way specials and sales and things come out you know that are cool or we do do a new live episode or something we can keep up to date so you don't miss a trick but otherwise i would say that you know that's pretty much where we're at stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week the survival and basic badass podcast is a proud member of the self-defense radio network search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.